You're listening to Agency Highway. This is a podcast for agencies that want to grow their business and work less. Agency Highway is sponsored by Content Snare, a platform that helps digital agencies gather content from clients without digging through a storm of emails, huge attachments, and messy Google Docs. Sign up at contentsnare.com and use the chat widget to say you heard about Content Snare on Agency Highway, and you'll get a 30-day trial instead of the typical 14. Now, here's this week's episode. Before we kick off today, I would just like to invite you to check out another podcast for anyone wanting to grow their agency. It's called Freelance to Founder, and it features coaching calls with freelancers and founders who have hit roadblocks and need help to get to the next level. They'd cover all types of stuff, including charging what you're worth, becoming a CEO, bottlenecking in your business, uh, making the best hires, and a whole bunch more. I really like the format of their show. If you would like to check it out, there are new episodes every Thursday, and you can visit freelance2founder, that's tofounder.com, or just search freelance to founder in your favorite podcast player. All right, let's get on with the show. Hello, and welcome back to Agency Highway. This is episode 106 with Mr. Michael Walk from Bean Ninjas. Michael, thanks for joining the show. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Now, I've known Bean Ninjas for a very long time, so this is it's kind of cool. Like We haven't met before, but um, I'm very familiar with Bean Ninjas. You guys helped us uh, you know, with previous SaaS products and all kinds of stuff, so it's, it's really cool to have you. Um, but we're going to be talking about agency numbers basically and helping agencies understand their numbers like and by numbers we mean like accounting profit that sort of stuff and how to become more profitable so michael maybe just start with a little bit of a background about who you are and like how you got into this yeah so i've i've been with being just over three years and over over the past six months i've focused down on purely serving our existing agency clients and trying to help more like that um, with the idea that developing a really um, detailed knowledge in this one particular area is going to help leverage our knowledge and, and serve more people. Awesome. Yeah, well, yeah, it's really cool that you guys are picking like agencies as, as like a, a niche or a niche for our American listeners because, uh, you know, I know for sure that many agencies definitely need help with their numbers. <laughs> so... Uh, definitely something uh, important. So now you have, I guess, like a framework of working with agencies, which I'd kind of just like to dig through because I reckon we were talking offline earlier about like, you know, what, what we should focus on on this, uh, this interview. And really, you basically just laid out all the things you do with agencies. I was like, that's perfect. Let's do that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into it. Like, what, I guess what's the first thing? Like when you take on an agency client to you know, help them become more profitable, what's the, what's the first thing you do? So the, the main problems that I solve and the first thing that I do when we begin a new um, relationship is to make sure that their house is in order. And what I mean by that is the basic financial framework that any business needs to have in order to grow successfully so that's using the right reports and reading them regularly you know using a cash flow forecast um, maybe setting up a dashboard if they don't have one of those Um, and for some of them we help them implement profit first which is like a a cash flow management strategy so it's all that kind of back of house getting those things correct to then move into the next step yeah so so can you give us some examples of like what kind of reports, um, like what's on the dashboard? Like what, what sort of things would you be setting up for an agency? 
So um, the main reports from a financial point of view, I'm sure most people will know, is, is the balance sheet uh, mm. and, the, and the profit and loss, which can be easily run in zero fairly quickly once if your numbers are up to date and all your bookkeeping's done. Now, I'm curious, is that something that most people don't have or most people do have these days? It depends which stage they're at. If, if they're, you know, a medium-sized one million up, firm they almost definitely do have some sort of accounting software using but if you if it's you know a solo entrepreneur solo entrepreneur getting just, <laughs> just getting started um i have seen people who are still running possibly just a excel spreadsheet which is not yeah. advised not advised long term yeah i guess i just completely forgot or didn't realize that this that was an option because we've been on zero since like a really long time. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, yeah. like I can't even imagine having to do things manually anymore. Like the fact that, you know, not only do we have the, you know, everything set up in zero, it's like we have it now reconciled for us as well through bookkeepers. So, yeah. you know, which is obviously what V ninjas do. Um, and I've just got my doggy coming in to say hello. I got, uh, got doggy bombed. Oh, fantastic. This is great. <laughs> um, it's like, yeah, I just felt like one of those like news presenters that's, um, has that's the like, right. kid run in the back. Normally, I close the door fully, but um, she's obviously found that there was a gap there that she could force her way in. Uh, <laughs> anyway, totally <laughs> off topic. Um, yeah, so I just, it's so streamlined for me now that I guess I forget that people aren't in that position. Like, you know, if I ever want to go and see our numbers, you know, like how much we spent on advertising in June or whatever, you know, I just literally opened up that report because I know it's all done for me. So yeah. what, what about other stuff? Like what's, what would you put on a dashboard for an agency? So some of the classic things that we'd want to be collating is things like sales conversion. Um, so monitoring the pipeline in, in that sense, um, still tracking your revenue and your profit figures um, and depending on what kind of agency and how the majority of their income is coming in, we may want to be monitoring like project profitability, not just overall business profitability. Uh, and then things like staff costs or efficiency. There's, so there's things like labor productivity that is worth monitoring because labor is usually a huge cost in an agency business. How do you recommend tracking that? Like that's always been a problem for me. Like everything else, like fixed costs, you know, rent, electricity, whatever, uh, computer gear. Like it's all pretty easy. Revenue, like th those things are easy to track. But to me, like labor, like are you just saying here's our salaries that we pay or is like getting that data into zero has always been like a, a, a thing. I just have no idea how that works. Yeah, it, it, it often depends, especially if you're paying contractors, they're not going to show up in your wages bill. So if you say you're paying contractors on a project by project basis, you might probably want to be looking at it from a, a project profitability point of view. So you're doing a recap once that project's over and saying, what do we budget? What do we pay? And, and working out a ratio there. Mm. Um, and then for ones that are probably more wage-based, using something like a labor efficiency ratio is, is that's, you can do that straight from a PL as well. So that's kind of looking at your gross profit per labor dollar. Um, oh, okay. so, so it's taking like your top line revenue less your cost of goods sold or your direct costs. Mm -hmm. So that's the gross profit. And then taking it over the total labor costs. And that'll okay. usually, and, and it's and expressed as a, like a multiple. So 
for example, if your gross profit for February was 20 grand and your labor costs were 10,000 or 10,500, it's expressed that every dollar you spend on labor, you have $1.90 of gross profit. And it's, it's a little key ratio to help you work out how efficient things are being. Okay. Um, like in Bean Ninjas, we also track monthly recurring revenue per employee. And you can, okay. do that on, you can do that on an employee basis or on a wider basis. Um, or depending on your staff setup, like some people use weekly billable goals as well. So say, you know, you've got X number of hours in a week that they're available. You want them to be working 30 billable hours out of the total possible 40-hour week. And that gives you a rough goal that at least they're working majority of the time on client work and that should be billable and they're paying for their, for their salary that way. Yeah, nice. So where, what, what sort of tools do you use to set up these reports? Uh, not, it's not the report, sorry, the, the dashboard itself. Like, is this something they can just, is it like they're glancing at this and they can see all those numbers in one spot? And if so, what, where is that set up? So I've been helping people plug these into a, a G sheet actually using yeah. a few direct plugins, but there is a software, um, there is like direct software that try and collate all of these things that we're currently testing at the moment. So I'm beta testing some of these other softwares, but I don't want to name drop them because I can't fully endorse them until we've... Yeah, no, that's fair enough. And I mean, there are a lot of different tools where you can pull in data sources and chart and plot things, you know, like in the part. I mean, Google Data Studio itself is becoming pretty popular because everyone that's on G Suite has got that now. Yeah. In fact, just this morning, I was mucking around with a report that someone had set up that just pulls in all the data from Search uh, Console automatically and just makes these really nice reports out of data that you like so normally search console i don't know if you might not be familiar with that because it's kind of a marketing thing but people listening to this might be and and i'll actually link it up in the show notes but it was like you know one click and they've just built this beautiful report that you can lay on top of your own data that's already in search console and just makes it makes it way more powerful than the built-in search console tool um so that's that's the, what I'm kind of visualizing here, where you've got all these like different tools that you can just overlay. Do you do you find that you have to customize the dashboard like differently for each agency, or is there like a key set of things that you would normally have on them? Yeah, it does depend agency to agency, and depends how many what key metrics are really important to their business. Mm. Uh, so it really, yeah, we we customize it depending on on what their situation is and what's most important to them. And but I yeah, imagine. You go, sorry. Oh, no. Does that drop out of like what, what metrics are most important? Does that drop out of like initial consultations and meetings with them? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, no- yeah. Normally, there's still going to be a few key financial metrics that we want to be looking at. Mm. But say for some agencies, like their website traffic is important, but it may not be the source of most of their business. It may be word of mouth referrals or it may mm. be other, other things. So it, it does depend on what kind of agency and, and what they're their network is depending on like, especially yeah. those those sales metrics that you want to be tracking. It, it does depend on what the business owner is currently doing. Yeah. So, so if someone's listening to this, obviously they haven't gone through a consultation um, and they want to know some of the key numbers that they should be tracking on a dashboard. What would you say? Just obviously, you know, you'd like to customize it to people, but just in general, like what are the, some of the key ones that people should track? So some version of sales conversion, you know, so you can, you can either be leading it through from like traffic to website, number of leads, number of qualified leads, um, but sales conversions usually the juiciest of those. It's yep. worth tracking. 
Um, and then the financial ones would be looking at your top line revenue. You'd also be wanting to look at your profit figures for the month, month on month, um, but also project profitability, which is what I mentioned, how you're trying to see how each job is going. And that gives you a little bit of an insight into how productive your staff are being on each project, um, which helps with some staffing management issues. Um, labor productivity, which you can pull yep. from directly from your P&L, um, things like that. Your accounts receivable aging numbers as well. Um, and also maybe tracking like your cash runway. So trying to have a look at how much cash you have left moving forward. That's a bit of a startup metric, but it's also a nice peace of mind knowing for owners, hey, I've got three months of cash in the bank and I can make payroll for the next two months, even if we don't get another dollar in. So Yeah, like I think, yeah, and it... <sighs> All this stuff just sounds so important because I've been caught in the past many times where, you know, because I don't have an easy way to see all this stuff at a glance, uh, that I don't. So, and because it requires work uh, to, you know, pull up the reports or whatever and look at the numbers, I don't do it. And then we get caught being like, wait, how do we like, how do we lose 10 grand in May? You know, like how the, how yeah. the bloody hell did that happen? And yeah. I feel like if you had this stuff set up on a dashboard, then you'd be way more likely to just look at it and notice problems before it's too late, especially with project costs. Cause this is, that's huge for agencies where like yeah. too much time gets burnt, you know, like they might charge you know, five grand for a website or something. And then if they look back in, in the history, it's like, Oh, that one actually cost us like four and a half grand. And we went through all this pain to make like 500 bucks or whatever, you know, yeah. uh, which I, you'd want to get on top of a lot faster to know that you either got to fix your inefficiencies or um, charge more. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's either a quoting problem or it's a performance problem. And so an easy way for them to do to do that, to have a look at like a project profitability is compare your standard bill rate, which is what you quoted the job at. So mm -hmm. say like 200 bucks an hour for 25 hours. So it's a five grand project, okay. SEO optimization. Um, and you compare that at the end to what actually happened. Mm. So you looked at how many hours you actually worked versus what you billed. And if, that you, if your average bill rate is out of whack with what your standard is, either up or down, you need to ask why the quote was wrong or were people spending more or less time and, and trying to work out, dig into the problem there. Mm. Yeah, I think the one of the biggest whole, like roadblocks in all of this for agencies is time tracking. So you obviously need some level of time tracking to know uh, how much project is costing you. If you're using contractors, that's different. It's obviously direct, usually directly attributable to to a job. But I've been thinking about this a lot lately because, you know, people, number one, some business owners are against it. And number two, there can be pushback on it from employees, right? But yeah, I, I just, I think that, the thing that I've come up with uh, that I've been trialing with our team is just like, I mean, with, with um, our developers, it's pretty easy. They just like, they literally tracking time to every like bug fix or whatever they work on. They just, developers are kind of used to that at, at some level. Um, I just, I think it's okay to ask client, your team, sorry, to just say like to track time, but like you can do it loosely. So it's not like, you're monitoring every little thing that they're doing where it's like, Oh, I clicked start on this and I clicked stop. And then I didn't click start on the next task till like 20 minutes later. Like that it's too, too granular. I'm, I think the easiest way, and this, this is what I'm trialing is just saying like end of the day, I did four hours on this project on design 
you know, like not like this exact task, but just design. And then like I did three hours on, um, you know, account management or something with this client, whatever it is, like just really broad stuff. And I think, you know, would, would that be enough, do you think, to give you some numbers that you could actually work with? Yeah, definitely, definitely. As long as they're doing it consistently. Yeah. And this is this is a really interesting and sensitive topic and really important to it a company's success because if you're eroding your staff's culture or your company's culture mm. by trying to be a micromanager or they perceive it as you're micromanaging by this level of detail that you need, um, that can definitely be an issue. And managing, you know, staff productivity levels first, keeping them happy and giving them enough time and training and feel like they're not just being whipped to client work. I think yeah. it's really, really important. But I, I think communication is the solution here. So, like letting them understand why that you need this data and saying, hey, we want to run a profitable company and we want you to be part of this long term, but we need to make sure that each job is profitable in order to continue doing this because yeah. if, if the company goes bankrupt because we're not pricing things correctly, then that's not good for anyone. No, that's exactly right. And that has to be yeah. communicated. Just yeah. And the culture thing is really big. As soon as you said that, like I just had this really stupid idea for time tracking based on this, like there's this Slack system where every day you get like a number of tacos. It's called Hey Taco. And you can, uh, you yeah. can give tacos to people. So like, and tacos are like basically just kudos for helping with something. Yeah. Um, so you can give them to other team members or whatever. But I just thought about having like a similar system for time tracking. It's like you get eight tacos or seven tacos a day and you must allocate those tacos goes among different different jobs and tasks I don't, i'm yeah. not saying this will actually work but I, I think it's like a fun idea that could you know i think gamifying a boring task like this yeah. could definitely it could definitely be a solution 100%. yeah like oh, i want to try that now i'm gonna <laughs> try and work this in with a couple of people from our team yeah. um so i know we've we've gone pretty deep into the house in order part but i imagine that is a pretty um intensive part um you know, getting all that data uh, ready for agencies to look at. So where do we move on to from there once we've got all the numbers, reports, dashboards set up? That's So step two is trying to increase the profitability of the agency. uh, And that's using that data that we've now got. We've got good clean data. We're looking at it regularly. All that's looking good. And so we want to work out you know, firstly, where their break-even point is on a monthly basis. When do you hit, ring the bell and say, we've covered all our costs for this month? And then you look at, on top of that, what are, what are we pricing our jobs at? Um, what's our margin on each job? And that's where you try and start to adjust maybe the pricing or have a look at the cost base of it and, and try and make each job a little bit more profitable, if possible, and try and look at the levers we could pull to make the job more profitable. Um, and then de- that profitability also depends on where the company is at. So if they're carrying a bunch of debt, we've got to map out repaying that and not using debt anymore or trying mm. to avoid avoid credit cards. Um, sometimes doing an expense review of what they're currently paying for their staff and what their subscriptions are and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, there's a few things in profitability, but it, all, that also depends on the agency. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, it, it's a pretty basic equation right it's like money in versus money out is its profitability um i mean there's obviously other factors in there like not getting paid um on time and stuff but it it really is that simple right like you're either not being efficient enough you're spending too much money versus uh you know how much you charge for jobs 
I just want to, there's one thing in there that I'm quite passionate about. You're talking about like subscriptions. I know a lot of agencies are really subscription averse to the point where they'll cancel things that actually cost them a lot more money and time spent (laughs) without realizing it. Like I see that all the time and I actually just wrote a big rant about it last week because it's just like, it's just crazy to me that the amount of effort people will go to to save like 20 bucks a month or 30 bucks a month. And it's just like, well, you've just, the labor you've gone through, it would have paid for that tool for like three years. So you probably should have kept it. (laughs) What kind of of tools are people canceling? You think that they shouldn't? Uh, I don't know specifically, but I just see it all the time in, um, in Facebook groups or whatever, where it's like, could be they switch to a different project management system because they're saving, you know, even 50 bucks a month. It can sound like a lot. Um, but if you do the maths and see like, you know, if it takes, especially something big, like a project management system that could take uh, like three days, four days more worth of somebody's time. And if you, you know, it depends on what your charge out, you know, if you value that person, they could have been earning you a hundred bucks an hour or something like what about that four days is 800 times four, $3,200 at 50 bucks a month saving, that's a lot of months. It's 64 months, <laughs> like, yeah. whatever, right? Absolutely. So that's just a, a simple example, but it's like, oh, we could save 50 bucks a month by changing this tool. And it's like, well, you could have, in that case, you could have kept that tool for what's 64 months. It's like, like five years, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you raise a really interesting topic because part of profitability is, is and quite often owners will ignore their own wage and their own time mm-hmm. and how that impacts their business. So sometimes we see owners trying to bootstrap and pay themselves less to get it off the ground and, and grow, but then that's not reflecting a true picture of their business because they're underpaying themselves. Mm-hmm. Or alternatively, owners trying to strip too many funds from their business and not having the staff to pay for these subscriptions or to hire another staff member, which is where the business needs to go. Yeah. So, and the third part of that is the owner not counting the time they're spending doing these manual tasks without putting in that subscription that you mentioned. So they're yeah. doing it, they're doing it themselves uh-huh. and they're quite often the most expensive employee in their business, but they're just not tracking it because mm-hmm. they're blind. They're blind to it. You know, they're, they're looking at everyone else's cost, but maybe not their own time. Yeah, it's very easy to completely devalue your own time because there is like it doesn't look like there's a hard cost to it, right? But really time is the most important resource we have and you should be valuing your own time at like at least like 150 an hour as like your metric. That's my opinion, you know, like some people would say more, some people might be happy with less, but it's like, yeah, but I've got all this time. I can, you know, spend three days to change this tool. But it's like, what if you spent those three days actually getting new clients? Like what would be uh, a coach, a friend of mine, James Shremko, that he talks about effective hourly rate. And that's like the one of the most important metrics for any business. And it's basically just like the profit that comes into your bank account personally divided by how many hours you work. You know, very, very simple metric and it's your effectively hourly rate. And, you know, most entrepreneurs, if they calculate it out, probably something at like, you know, 20 bucks or less because <laughs> they work so much and don't pay themselves. Uh, but, you know, really that that is a figure you should be trying to optimize if you want to have a good life out of business, which is why most of us got into it. Definitely, definitely. And that's where we help people implement this system called Profit First. Mm. And that, that really helps people see what they should be paying themselves. So that gives you a framework of, rough percentages of all the revenue the business brings in, how it should be broken out to the key accounts. So mm. what, you're pa- what you're paying yourself, how much you're setting aside for taxes, 
how much you're setting aside for profit, and then the rest is what you've got to spend on expenses. And that quite often is eye-opening when I do implementations like that. Mm-hmm. And they realize like what their owners pay is currently versus what a fiscally healthy business should be paying the owner. Yeah. Which which really helps people give a bit of a benchmark to that. Yeah. And I mean, I, I love Profit First. It's, you know, funnily enough, I've always done a, the equivalent of Profit First in my own life for years, right? I never really yep. thought about it. It's just something I've done because like when a bill comes along, I don't want to have to go, oh, crap, I don't have the money for that. It's always just like, it's in another bank. I have I had another bank just for bills and for savings so that I completely forgot about. So if I get a you know mechanic bill or something, like that was all accounted for. There was a percentage of my pay that was always going over there. It just comes straight out of that account. Doesn't affect my play money, you know? Yeah. Um, and never thought to do it in our business. And then so when I read Profit First, I was like, oh, duh, of course. So that it's been huge for us, man. Like, um, you know, we're about to have a pretty monumental tax bill this year just because of a couple of big projects we had. Um, but because of Profit First, I put away a certain amount, you know, every month. And um, now that all sits in one account, um, you know, my calculations weren't exactly great this year, unfortunately. So we are going to not have, you know, we'll have to make up a little bit of it. But um, for the most part, you know, that bill, I don't have to stress about it because the money's there in a different account that it's, it's literally called the go- the account I've called it is government money. So, <laughs> sorry. So, so you can put groups of accounts in our online banking, right? So there's Actura, which is our, you know, holding or parent company. So, and then I've got our uh, operational expenses and um, profit and all our accounts under there. But then there's another group that gets hidden down the bottom that I can't even like, unless I scroll right down there called, and it's in the group called government money because it's not mine. Yes. (laughs) That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. And so like no money comes out of that account except to pay tax bills. And (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I see far too many clients coming into B-Ninjas who do already have an existing government tax bill from... Mm previous income tax returns or GST bills, depending. So it's a real hidden killer for a lot of people who it's, it's a real blind spot for a lot yeah. of businesses. Yeah. I think it just helps so much to have that spot where you can pay bills from as well, like your expenses account, um, you know, and to have, have the rainy day fund as well. It all also encourages you to put money away into another account where I guess like at certain times of the year, you actually use it as like something for fun. Or, you know, you pay out to yourself and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. So I helped like a a content marketing agency. He wanted to reward his writers. Mm. And so we set up basically a rainy day fund, but it was for a team retreat. So he named it something really good. And he wanted to, he wanted to take all the writers and and take them for a week somewhere um, in Southeast Asia. And so that was a way to make it a positive thing to aim for. Mm -hmm. And obviously COVID has put travel plans delayed a little bit, but hopefully, Mm. you know, next year, they're going to have that money set aside to, and that helps staff culture. That helps retention. That helps. Mm, that's so, a bloody good idea. Having like a little like staff fun fund. <laughs> Cause you yeah. know, every so often we do that. Like after big projects would be like, here's some money, go out and like, you know, take your, your girlfriend's wives out or, you know, yeah. um, and one time we happened to have three of our developers in the same city. They would, I think it was because the world cup was on or something and they all happened to be, and they all used the money, went out together and had drinks. And I was just like, that's awesome. Like sucks. We can't be there, but um, yeah, definitely. And that helps, yeah. tie, that helps tie those conversations about productivity and why I need to know what your time is because mm. then when it, we hit the goals, 
there's a fun thing as well. So yeah. it, it helps across the board. Yeah, absolutely. It's awesome. All right. So part two, we talked about, so the first one was house in order. Number two was profitability. Um, now I don't think we need to speak too much about raising prices because there's a bunch of it. We've covered this so many times on this podcast. I'll link up to a few in the, uh, in the show notes um, as well as becoming more optimized and like reducing costs. So I'll, I'll link up to a few relevant um, episodes there. One thing you did mention though, is working out um, your monthly break even point. Can we talk about that? Just, just briefly, like I don't want to dig into it too much. Like um, how do you calculate that? And, and why is it so important? Yeah, so a really basic way to do it is to look at your normal monthly expenses for an average month and, and look at how much you're paying out each month and saying, okay, that's what I need to hit to keep the lights on. So it's it's literally your lowest target. Your lowest sales target each month should be to hit break even and then from there, it's all upwards. Mm. Um, and that gives you like the baseline of where you need to be in order for the business to be sustainable. Or if you want to look at like the last 12 months, you have a look at your P&L for the last 12 months, say in Australia, it's end of financial year. So from 30 June backwards, mm-hmm. um, take out, take all your expenses, divide them by 12 and say, okay, that's the average number of, ex- of expenses. Including your own wage? Including everything. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Enough to, to keep the business running. It should all yeah. be included, included in there. And that should be your first revenue target for the following month to hit. Yeah, nice. And, and that's that's to break even, right? And that's just to know from here it's all up. But I think it gives a lot of peace of mind to to a lot of owners to know, okay, we're hitting we're hitting this at say like the twelfth day of the month, we're hitting our break even. Can we start hitting our break even on the tenth or the ninth? Yeah. And that means you're gonna be well, everything on top is cream and you know, yeah. flows from there. Absolutely. I know a lot of agencies try to make up their break-even point with monthly recurring revenue. I really like that idea because it's like safe. You know, all your costs are taken into account from monthly recurring, somewhat, you know, reliable income. And then the project stuff is is all the cream. I Yeah. If you can hit that point, that's like holy grail. Yeah. Yeah. Have, have you, you probably know a little bit more than me. Have you seen a reduction in monthly recurring for agencies and more project-based work coming through? Do you reckon, is there a trend there between how people can charge for their time as an agency? Uh, I have seen a massive push for agencies to go to monthly recurring. Um, I don't know how they're all doing right now. I, I mean, I think agencies, you know, through this COVID point are actually doing pretty well. Most that I speak to are doing better than before unless, you know, depending, like I spoke to someone who literally does restaurant websites. So they're obviously struggling, but I think for the most part, a lot of people are trying to go online, but the thing is there are so many recurring services that agencies can add that is, which is why people are putting focuses on that, on these because of the, the mental relief, the stress relief, you know, not knowing it's like how many projects am I going to get this month? We have to hit our break even point. It's like, if you've got a bunch of marketing retainers or consulting retainers or website support, or, I mean, even like design, some people do design fixed retainers for design like might be two grand a month or something and you get all the design you want done you know it just depends um and i think a lot of agencies try to push towards that model for their own sanity yeah 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 absolutely i mean b ninjas a lot of our work is charged you know the bookkeeping side of the business that's all monthly recurring and it's yeah 
one price for owners. And it's, it also helps from the customer's point of view because they know they're not going to be hit with a massive bill one month and then mm. a smaller bill amount. It helps everyone's cash flow. Yeah, I think I think I tend to agree. Like it is, you know, it's it's hard to get over subscriptions in a way. Um, like everyone seems to have some level of subscription aversion, but most of the time it works out well for everyone. I think you know, you know what your costs are going to be every month. You know, it, it's it actually is pretty good. Um, you know, and a lot of the times the alternative is more expensive. Like we were talking about before. You know, if you try and save a subscription by doing something yourself or, uh, you know, trying something cheaper, it, it ends up costing you more in the long run, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. So um, number three, we've done house in order, um, profitability. What's the, the third part? So number three, we've already kind of covered a little bit in this, but that mm. is to help better manage their people. Uh, so staff costs are the biggest cost to most agencies' business. Um, and so we map out what utilization metric makes sense for them and then how that ties to what their profit goal is. Mm. Um, and so, as I said, that can be project basis. That can be a weekly billable target. That can be a metric called staff utilization, which is another calc. Um, but we also have the conversation around st- culture versus productivity. And so making sure that we're also man- like managing how happy they are. So there's a few different ways you can kind of track how, how productive your staff are and how happy they are to make sure that you're not working them into the ground. I'm so interested in that. How do you track that? How do you track culture on your dashboard? <laughs> well, I think there's a few apps you can use like Office Vibe, which helps people have a have a voice around how they're feeling in, in the work culture. Okay. Um, that can also just be water coolers and, and you as the owner trying to have those conversations. But there is other software that tries to put the feelers out about how they're feeling because like employee satisfaction is going to flow into your customer satisfaction mm. because if you, your staff are happy, then they're going to be doing better work for your customers. Yeah. And then customer satisfaction will decide whether they refer clients. So it's a real flow down effect into, into the overall business. So yeah, have, just having conversations around that and, and how they're managing their people, how they so time tracking obviously as well. Yeah. And working out the best strategy for them to at least have a really basic understanding of of their labor productivity because it's such a huge driver of their overall profitability as a company that a mm. lot of people don't monitor very closely. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, I'm actually just pulled up Office Vibe here, and I really like the look of it. I mean, there's a whole bunch of tools like this. Yeah, I am going to link is. this. Up. I'm going to link this up in the show notes at agencyhighway.com/slash one zero six. But um, yeah, like there's so many different methods of this. It's almost like the Hey Taco thing I was talking about before. <laughs> hey Taco is a Slack plugin that, you know, automatically prompts people to give out their tacos every day or whatever to, to people. Um, you know, and that's just one example. Whereas like this Office Vibe, it looks like it, it works to like surveying people and getting feedback from from your team. Like I know um, James Tremco is big on a traffic light report every day, which is like basically they, they just indicate red yellow or green how loaded up they are at the time like how much green means like you know they can take on more work yellow's like i'm kind of on the point red's like i'm way i've got too much on i can't take on more work so um i really like that idea of just getting an idea of like utilize what what, like i guess that's a self-reported utilization um but that's like a, a cool thing that you can get staff to do um and it looks like 
just looking at office vibe, there's some here. It's like, do you enjoy the work you do? Are your responsibilities clear? Like all this kind of, these kind of questions and really prompting people to give feedback that they probably wouldn't do if they aren't prompted. Yeah. So I like this idea. I really like this idea. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not all, it's not all kind of accounting squeeze the most you can out of your mm. staff. It's, it's also monitoring. You, I mean, you want a company to grow and have a good culture. So it's, balancing those two things and working mm. out what the right point is in that set, in that kind of dissection, those two graphs. Yeah. Yeah, man, it just makes me think I've got to get better at this, you know, like it's so hard to stay on top of sometimes as, as like as a business owner, cause you've got so many things you've got to try and do. And then like managing staff, I mean, for me often becomes, it, it takes a backseat because I'm like, doing other stuff like i'm too involved in probably stuff that i shouldn't be doing that i should have got some staff to help me with um but that is actually a big plan this year now that sort of covid is starting to lift a little bit and you know really trying to hire again profit first one of our accounts was a future staff member fund ah yes so we have an account there now that's got a little bit of a nest egg in it that i can i know that we can hire a, a product slash support person for at least six months um, based on the money that's just in there. So, yeah. you know, and that is so freaking nice to know because now I can make that higher and take some of this stuff off my plate and, and then maybe go back to actually managing my people a bit better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a challenge for B-Ninjas as well because we're 100% remote. Mm. So if you're not proactive about it and checking in with people, then people can get lost and forgotten and feel like they're being ignored. So it's, mm. it, yeah, it's you have to be on the front foot, I think. Yeah, and like it's even harder when you're talking remote. That's why there's so many of these tools like Office Vibe and Hey Taco because you know, without that actual office thing, like I miss going to an office. That's the only thing I miss about having a job really <laughs> But because you know, just actually having people to go to lunch with and hang out rather than like talk to my dog. She doesn't talk back. Um, yeah. <laughs> Slack's just not the same, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's not. Mate, this has been a good chat. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff in here for agencies to to think about, like getting their reports in order um, and then, you know, becoming more profitable and, and even creating a culture. I didn't expect this to go towards creating culture. Um, so that's really cool. Um, is there anything you think we should cover before we wrap this up? Usually the the fourth and final, and I know you're a big systems guy, the, the fourth thing that I usually try and help people with is just making sure their systems and automation is in check, Yeah. Ma- mainly from a financial software point of view. So making sure they do have zero set up properly, making sure they've got all those add-ons to help them automate their finance stuff. So mm. manage their receipts, manage their accounts receivable, mm. their accounts payable, their payroll. So that's that's the other section, which is like that back of house, making sure those systems are right as well. So that's kind of the fourth part of it. But yeah, I think we covered all the big. Yeah, issues. like we can we can talk for days about. <laughs> I said this offline earlier that like don't don't start talking about systems because I'll go on for days. Like I just love like everything, you know. Even like like you said receipts. I didn't even think about that as automation, but we you know we have an app. It's just like I go and fill the car up the business car up, I take a picture of the receipt and then I'm done with it, you know? And I, I I love just that simplicity of being able to automate so many different things, you know, every, everything that you, anything you're doing over and over again, uh, should be automated 
Um, yeah. But again, I speak about that sort of stuff all the time on here, so we're not going to bore people with uh, systems and automation. The, the people have spoken. They want me to talk about agency stuff, not systems and productivity. I was, <laughs> I was actually going to pivot this podcast towards that, um, but I got the most outreach, uh, the most messages I've ever received saying, no, stay with agencies. So, stay all right. True, stay true to the core. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hopefully we cover, we cover some stuff that can help agencies today, I feel. Yeah, there's a ton of stuff in there, man. Michael, uh, thank you so much for sharing all this. Um, it's been really helpful and I hope some agencies um, get some awesome stuff out of it. So yeah, I just wanted to say thanks for joining me. No worries. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Where can people go to find out more about like Bean Ninjas and, and what you're doing? Uh, so Bean Ninjas is just beanninjas.com and most people should be able to find me on LinkedIn. It's just Michael Walk, W-A-R-K, if they mm-hmm. want to connect and drop me a message there they're more than welcome to so easy and uh you will make sure that's linked up in the show notes at agencyhighway.com slash 106 thanks thanks again michael and see you later thanks james discover how to grow your agency earn more and work less at agencyhighway.com head over there to get resources from this episode and full transcripts see you next time this episode was brought to you by content snare If you're a digital agency or just need to get content or info from your clients, Content Snare can help you collect it on time and without enormous email trails. Give it a try at contentsnare.com.